Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And the person who is not on television this weekend, I'm Nick Saveri. Oh, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Ajante. Uh, on the program today, unfortunately, folks, another mass shooting that recently happened in Jacksonville, Florida. Nick and I on the latest surrounding that incident. We'll get into a little bit of that coming up later on the program. Plus, the GOP 24 primary campaigns, they march towards the next debate on September 27th, we'll look at some recent comments from some of the candidates on the campaign trail. And then in our final segment, time for Professor Severi to grade my recent appearance on Fox News Live recently on a political panel. Before I say hello to Professor Severi, I don't even know if you are a professor, but uh, a new episode of Back Your Play with Q. College football is in full swing. Rich previews the college football season, makes his Heisman and playoff picks as Nick Costco, excuse me, from On3 Sports joins him. New episodes of Back Your Play over on LeonMediaNetwork.com or listen wherever you get your podcasts. You know I'll be listening to that because Nick is a Rutgers guy, and I know that they're going to talk about Rutgers-Northwestern in the Week 1 matchup. So go listen to Back Your Play with Q for sure. And another new podcast coming soon to Leon Media Network, a leadership and coaching podcast, If You Lead Them podcast. Join host Katie Barnett. In each episode, she explores the principles strategies and mindset shifts that can help you elevate your leadership skills to new heights with incredible guests joining her in the process. This show is coming soon to Leon Media Network. You can subscribe over on leonmedianetwork.com. Get updated when the new episodes drop. Excited to welcome Katie Barnett into the family. Go follow her on Instagram at Katie Ann Barnett. She's great. This show is really going to be cool. Nick, as somebody who does leadership and coaching, 
in the education space. I know something right up your alley. Now I say hello to Professor Nicholas Savary. How are you doing, sir? How you been? Like I haven't, you know, you you weren't here last time. I had to, I got two fill-in hosts with uh, Maura Gillespie. Shout out to Maura Gillespie, uh, former Deputy Chief of Staff for Representative Adam Kinzinger, and Marie Hart, Fox News contributor, former advisor to Secretary Kerry. They joined me last time on a debate episode. We called you out in the app that you were out in uh, Ocean City pounding crabs, we said, uh, and trying to smash a crab at the dinner table, as we were all picturing that. How you been, my friend? No, long time no see. Yeah, the same same here. I mean, it's funny because obviously everyone knows offline that you know you and I text. I mean, it's it's essentially a combination of you know how we say connected as friends, but it's also show prep. Right? Like that's the world we live in as you right. know as you know podcasters. But yeah, we're good. It, it's funny because you know I was back and forth about am I going to appear you know for the debate episode, and in the end I couldn't partly because yes we were on vacation, but then the night of, funny enough, we were we were out to dinner having crabs, of course. And yeah, my my little one ended up having to go to the emergency room. She got her arm, her elbow like yanked by my older one. They were playing on the slide and, you know, the little one wants to slide down, but she wants her sister to hold her arm and then let her go. And upon doing so, my older one heard a pop and we then had to go to the emergency room and, you know, find that essentially our little one had what's called nursemaid's elbow, which my wife can probably talk more about than I can. And essentially it just means that like you, when you're, bones within your like elbow kind of gets out of essentially out of place and you have to twist your arm to get it back in so we had to end up going to one hospital to have it taken a look at and then we went to another hospital because it you know still wasn't quite working so now our little one's fine as soon as the twist you know happened and the pop right back in place you couldn't tell what arm was bothering her she was just happy and oh, wow yeah you know, as you as you were talking i think i Laura and I were looking at like, uh, I think New York Times had an ongoing feed minute to minute of statements from the debate. So here we are in the emergency room, you know, our little ones watching like SpongeBob or something on television. And my wife, are just sort of following along. And I'm sitting there thinking that even though I want to be on the show, you know, Mike, Marie and Maura, you know, they're, they're doing their thing. And yeah, there's no I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the ER right now. So um, when you when you mentioned to me, you know, Marie's uh, comment, I laughed. I'm like. Crabs would have been a hell of a lot better than you know how we spent our our evening, but no, we were good. But I said at the start, you over the weekend, you know, I knew you were heading out to New York. We're going to talk more obviously in a minute about that. Uh, not New York, sorry, you were in DC, DC I think, yeah, DC with uh, on Mike Emanuel's program. I was just excited for you, proud of you too. You know, just a fellow Rutgers guy, back in your home stomping grounds, and it was cool. The picture you sent me of you, nice jacket by the way, love the tie. Um, you know, and the Chiron, of course, you know, saying Fox News and just there you are. And I'm like showing this to my wife. I'm like, look at him. You know, it's, you know, our man's all grown stuff, right? Well, <laughs> like listen, in swingers, but yeah. Yeah, seriously, the Vince Vaughn. I, I appreciate that. First of all, the kind words and shout out to Mike Emanuel. Obviously a Rutgers guy. He's been on this program before, uh, chief Washington correspondent for Fox News. Uh, we love him. We love what he does over there at Fox News. I, I think we... When we've talked about the network a bunch, um, we've always mentioned the people that you can watch at the network that that do the news, right? There's a news side of the house. There's an opinion side of the house. Whether or not you want to debate about that, that's all. If, you, if you've never worked there, you don't know. Like They're operating within the confines of what a normal news network would do. ESPN shows you sports center highlights, and then coming up, here's Stephen A's stupid takes, right? It's, it's pretty much the same thing, just swapping Jesse Waters. So, um, But shout out to to Fox News, first off, for having me on. Um, 
You know what? Let's get to you grading uh, a little bit of my appearance because I, it actually funnels into a little bit of the campaign and the debates because we didn't have you kind of weigh in. You weren't around for that episode on Wednesday night and, and the first primary debate that happened. Winners and losers. I want to get your takeaways on that. But I got asked uh, on the panel on Sunday, we started talking about the GOP campaign field, who got the biggest bump. And we transitioned really into Nikki Haley and something she recently said on Fox News earlier in the day. So, Nick, take a listen to this, and you're going to hear my comments as well, and then you're going to react. Take a listen. We have to make sure that we have a new generational leader that's going to bring in not only Republicans, but we're going to pull back the independents. We're going to bring back in the suburban women. We're going to bring in Hispanics. We're going to bring in the Asian community. We have to make sure we win this, because the thought of Kamala Harris being president should send a chill up every American spine. Mike, what about her performance the other night, and how does she grow her campaign from here? Well, first off, thank you for having me, Mike. And not only that, she just mentioned two groups that I'm a part of, Hispanics and moderates, right? And she wants to focus on different issues and humanizing issues. I thought when Martha asked her the question in the debate about the abortion issue and women's reproductive rights, which has been the focal point for the last 12 months that Republicans have been getting hammered on, right? And she said, we need to humanize it. We need to care about the mother. We need to do certain things and come to common ground, right? Which is what we all want, bipartisanship in all of this. I think that she did the best job articulating that. You saw in the recent Ipsos Fox News WAPO poll that she went up 17% from that debate in terms of people wanting Nikki Haley as their preference after watching the first debate. I think if she continues the message like that, she could shoot up before the September 27th next uh, debate on Fox Business. So just real quick, some background and context for you, Nick, before you grade the performance. Um, the poll that I referenced there, actually, again, Fox News, Washington Post, Ipsos, had a poll, 755 registered Republicans took this, uh, or at least were a part of this survey, asking them, uh, who would be your preference now in the debate after watching the first debate? And let me read you exactly what it said. Which candidates are you considering voting for after watching this debate. So Nikki Haley, before the debate was at 30% with this group, she jumped to 46.7%. Ron DeSantis was at 63%. After the debate, he only jumped 4% more. Uh, Donald Trump actually dipped 5% in that poll from 66% to 61%. Vivek Ramaswamy, excuse me, uh, jumped up about 5% from that. And everybody else was very minuscule, but Haley had the biggest bump 17%. She had the pushback with Vivek about Ukraine and his support for Putin, or at least appeasing Putin and letting him take, you know, parts of Ukraine that they've already kind of taken. Uh, she humanized, like I mentioned, the abortion issue, issue, which we've covered on this show in the different states, Ohio and Kansas and Kentucky, red states, some of them, you know, purplish that have all had uh, abortion up on the, uh, on the on the vote and it's gone democrats way right so we all know these things and haley came out during the debate in my opinion and answered the question in terms of wanting to have sensibility around it right no federal abortion ban also not jailing the mother we shouldn't be doing things like this humanizing the issue so background and context for you about that we talked about a bunch of other things on the panel now professor zavari letter grade and then also what Haley said, what Mike Leon said. I thought you were great. And I'm, yeah, am I partial when I give that grade? Yeah, but yeah, I, I, I gave it an A. It's funny because I'm comparing it to, you know, you were on Eamon's program. Um, and I think this one, I think I wouldn't say 
more professional, but maybe more seasoned. I like John Amon's program too. I'm referring to, of course, to Amon Mahadeen on his program on MSNBC. I thought it was just growth. I thought you were great on the first program. I think this one, I think, takes it to the next level. Um, there's more of a presence there. I don't know if maybe it's you know all this time that we're doing podcasting and all the work you're doing with the other programs and such. But yeah, I think there's a growing presence that you have. I think you felt like a natural fit. I thought you did too on the other show, but this one even more so. And maybe it's because you know previously in an earlier life you were obviously a member at Fox News, but I thought you fit in really nicely. It was funny, you know, just you know seeing you with the glasses and the jacket and everything. I had this weird connection to Juan Williams a little bit, like that was kind of the vibe you were giving, which was like intelligent, moderate, not taking the red bait that the network is often known for. All this being said, this is a testament to the show that Mike, you know, that Mike does, you know, that with Fox News. And I I have a complicated relationship with Fox in the sense of like most people, um, you know, I know there are good people there. Marie, obviously, being on this show is a couple of times a really good example of that. Um, but at the end of the day, this is the Frankenstein that Roger Ailes helped build. And it's still the Frankenstein that we're living with. And in many ways, it's still maybe the Frankenstein that helped lead to yet another shooting, you know, in Jacksonville this past week. So there are complications to it, but I do agree with you about recognizing not just with Fox, but any televised news program these days, the different wings of the house opinion versus, you know, news and one's ability to make sense of it. But that aside, I thought you were great. I, you know, again, I would always, I'd always watch it when you're on television. So I thought you did a great job as for the debate, you know, as I was looking at the transcript and the quotes. I followed it all through through New York Times, which to their credit, no spin, just simply put out what people were saying. I I would agree with the assessment about Haley's bump, which obviously was measured by that poll. You know, Nikki Haley and Vivek, I thought, came out as the winners. You know, I think Vivek plays this game really well. And there have been clips of him all over where he's factually incorrect, but he won't stop talking. And for the sake of a debate and for the sake of where this is, race is going to go to, that's kind of the presence you have to have. You know, even that chat GPT line from Chris Christie, which I thought was quite funny, doesn't sway Vivek. You know, he is he's loud wrong, but maintains a presence which on that stage you needed to have. I I give Nikki credit, Nikki credit, Nikki Haley rather, a lot of credit. I don't agree with her on many things. This is the former governor of South Carolina, governor who at the time was um, her response to the the mass shooting in Charleston, you know, of nine African-Americans in a, in a black church by a white shooter um, was distasteful. But in the discussion of humanizing this conversation about abortion, I agree with her. I, I would go, obviously go a little further left than she does. But I think on that stage, she makes a good case. Now, bear in mind. I say that with the recognition that everyone else on that stage has an abominable sense of what's happening. And it's embarrassing that you have so many men that want to have an opinion on what a woman does with their body to the tune of six weeks abortion bans in the case of Florida or someone like Mike Pence, who sees absolutely no purpose whatsoever in a woman's right to choose. And compared to all that nightmarish, you know, dystopian view of how women's bodies should be treated she comes out as a sensible person does that say a lot about her does it say a lot about the other people on the panel i'll let you know our listeners decide that that bump is real though college football is upon us so i'll use that example you know you can be 
the fifth or sixth seeded team. And you could have a great week, right? Notre Dame this weekend, you know, broke their foot off in, in Navy. They're the 13th ranked team. You know, they'll pick up some percentage points when we start doing more rankings and stuff. But they're not the number one team. They ain't Georgia. No matter how good a weekend we have coming up from Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama, all these teams, the Bulldogs are still on top. And that's what Trump is in this case. No matter how well Haley does, and there was someone, I forgot who said this, but you know, that Haley is, you know, is the nightmare for Democrats. You know, a moderate, a, what seems to be a moderate Republican. I say seems, folks, because I think you do want to pay attention to her, her views on economics and other this, and other factors, other stances, um, which, by the way, if you go to Nikki Haley's website, not really there, by the way. And that's a little alarming about where, you know, where she stands on everything from abortion to taxes and the like. But all that being said, for her to have a successful first debate is critical because that really what we saw on the debate stage on Wednesday really was the first true test for Ron DeSantis, who I think failed. I don't think he's emerged. He's not pulled away as a nominee or as a, you know, as a top two person. I think Vivek overtook him at this point. I mean, the polling data was showing us that, but now this it's official. I think Vivek presents himself far better on stage. And folks, I'm just saying all this from a technical and appearance standpoint, I don't care for any of these candidates, as you all can surmise. But among that pool, I think Vivek and, and Haley, I think, really stood out. Um, DeSantis, I think, struggles a lot. And in general, I think when he's not the only voice in the room, has always struggled. I think he's a bully. And, you know, when you're confronted by another bully or someone's more talented at talking than he is, he tends to just fall apart. Um, Mike Pence and Tim Scott, you know, I, I, there was some hope I had about Tim Scott's candidacy, but that's gone. Um, and Mike Pence has always been milk toast anyway, and I, I think he just disappeared. The biggest surprise for me, and I, I was on record on this show talking about, I thought Chris Christie would run away with it, and he didn't. You know, the the book on Christie's always been that he'll be good for the occasional punchline and the, the jab on stage. And I think he is still the one candidate that, on a debate stage, could really tear apart the former president. But that's all he's good for. It's just sound bites. He does not have the ability to present himself as a front-running candidate. So I surprising, I was quite surprised I saw Nikki Haley really jump ahead of him. And really, this is just everyone vying for the number two spot. You know, for sports fans or NBA fans here, there's always that story about you know Larry Bird, the three-point shooting contest, somewhere in the 80s, walking into the locker room, asking everyone, you know, which one of you is playing for second? And that's where that's the vibe that Donald Trump can give at this point. That's assuming he has the opportunity to pay attention to any of the debates and the primaries coming up because, well, March 4th, it looks like I think it was somewhere in March 4th is one court date coming up. You've got one judge who's not moving that date. You've got others that are looking to put some time up on the calendar 2024. And it makes it interesting for the former president when, you know, how do you engage in the debate when you're constantly or a primary for that matter, when you're constantly in front of a courtroom and do the visuals of that alter perceptions in any way. I don't think it does, but that's the question we're all going to find out. You know, it's funny. I had a conversation with a friend of mine. I said the exact same thing that, you know, in order for one of these folks to supersede the president here, and by the way, you can go to Politico. Politico has a great article in your college football analogy here. It has the favorites, the contenders, 
and the long shots. And, and this is why politics and sports really mirror each other a lot, not only in terms of programming, but like the competition aspect of it, right? Uh, because you get all these super PACs and you get these donors and you get all this money filtering into it to try to build the campaign team messaging around it. And then preparation of the candidate, right? To go out there on game day, AKA the debate and actually make points and be articulate. And for me, Again, I know, you know, Nick is is the lefty on the show and we really don't have a left right dynamic here. I try to play it a little bit more in a center column. But if Nikki Haley does get a chance to surpass the president in the primary and ultimately become the nominee, the biggest thing against President Biden, I said this in, in one of the segments on the Fox News live show was the president is got age against him right now. There's a lot of people that think him being that old you know, anything could happen. Right. And who's the person at number two. And then the other part of it is what she said in the clip, which is appealing to moderates, independents, suburban women, Hispanics, all those voters that flipped from Trump uh, to Biden in 2020 that eventually got President Biden to win Arizona, Georgia, states that Democrats have not traditionally won. That was part of the issue. And having a more moderate candidate that's younger especially a female that's humanizing issues, whoever from her campaign team that told her to say that humanizing an issue is exactly what some people that have come on this show have said that we've had police officers. When we talk about the shooting, we're going to get to the Jacksonville shooting in the next segment, humanize the officer, humanize the person. When you go on the call, the officer should be humanizing the person. We've had tons of people say that. And I thought Nikki Haley articulated that the best. And you can see it in terms of, the bump that she got in terms of the polling. She hammered Vivek on a bunch of different things, his youth and inexperience. I'm with you um, real quick on the Fox News thing. Uh, one of the cool things about Fox News is, and I've mentioned this before on the show, jokingly, but not really jokingly, about talking points, right? They, you know, they ask you, you know, hey, what are some things that you want to talk about, right? We're going to talk about this, but what are some things you would like to add to the dialogue? Whereas opposed to other networks are really, Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. They don't care about what you're going to say. They'll figure it out if you say it. But here it's not like, don't say this. It's more of like, what are you leaning towards? Like, what are some things that you want to harp on? So I wrote a couple of things down about Vivek's candidacy, Nikki Haley, and then people that I thought kind of, you know, stunk it up a little bit. And everything that you just said, uh, Nick, about Vivek, even though the polling, he didn't get the biggest bump, Haley did, Vivek is media trained. You could clearly tell he's a Ted talk guy, hand motions, very focused, quick comebacks, young guy, right? Um, he tries to do a lot of what Trump does, right? I'm an outsider, right? I'm a business guy. I can make quick comebacks. Hey, Chris Christie, why don't you give me a hug and get me nominated? Remember he said this about president Obama. Everyone remembers the famous hug between Obama and Chris Christie after hurricane Sandy. 24 hours after the debate, Nick, over 1 million Google searches for the name Vivek on, on Google, 20, up to 24 hours after the debate. That was a, according to a political article. And then our friend, Sabrina Rodriguez of the Washington Post, she has a great article out there. You can go check it out on WAPO.com. Um, she covered an event, 60 Republicans up at the America for Prosperity Watch Party in New Hampshire, about 80 to 90 percent of the audience in that room thought Vivek won the debate. And the rest of them actually trickled between Haley 
and maybe one other or, or a couple other people. So it was kind of split between, you know, the rest of the establishment, which you would consider DeSantis in that, Christie in that, you know, a Pence in that, Haley in that, and then Vivek is like the outsider. So I, I just thought it was funny that he got a bump, even though he lacks foreign policy expertise. He's trying to put tech bro solutions into foreign policy or different issues, even here at home with education. You guys are going to get into it in the education show about some of his ideas around the education and giving, you know, you know, getting rid of the Department of Education, giving some of that money back so parents can make choices for their kids. I don't know anything about that. We're going to get into that on another podcast. But uh, he said climate change agenda is a hoax, uh, which drew a lot of ire and got him a lot of booze. The other thing I was going to say on the Fox News Live panel and kind of wraps here, uh, I'll give you the final word on the primary debates to quote the great Yogi Berra. It's getting late early. And for Tim Scott and Mike Pence and Chris Christie, it's getting late early. You know, I mean, they're obviously all going to make the next debate because the amount of individual donors, uh, it only goes up moderately. Asa Hutchinson will probably be back on the debate stage. So will Doug Burgum. Uh, at least we're expected right now. Who knows if the other contenders like Will Hurd and some other folks that are running for president will even make it there. They're polling less than, again, what I happen to have uh, underneath my mattress. So you, you really, they really have nothing. Uh, and who knows if those people will be on. But it's getting late early for Mike Pence and Tim Scott. And Mike Pence, I said this to, to you, Nick. Uh, I've said this in our last episode. In any other, in any other setting, the person who's number two, when the person that's number one leaves, would normally get the biggest bump. We saw it with, you know, when President Obama left, everyone wanted Vice President Joe Biden then at the time to run for president. He said no. He comes back in 2019. Everyone thinks, you know, he's not so much aged out, but like he has no shot. You know, Pete Buttigieg catches a little fire with some talk here and there. Right. You've you still got Bernie out there. And like all of a sudden. Biden's the nominee. I can unify everybody, moderates, independents. I said this on the panel. And Mike Pence, in a normal world, would be getting that kind of bump. And he, he's at peace polling at like 1.2%. You know, and, and he's over here making the points of, hey, I've done pardons, Vivek. You have no pardon experience. I've balanced budgets. I was a House conservative before it was cool. He was making all of these points about his experience, which is great. It's just not resonating anymore. It really is not. Tim Scott was barely getting a word in edgewise. It was really the Vivek show and Nikki Haley pushing back on a lot of the things. And I'm with you. And Marie said this in the last episode. Ron DeSantis, to me, you know, I say this all the time about you and I with this show. We can practice, but we can't sound rehearsed. And Ron DeSantis sounds rehearsed. Ron DeSantis sounds like somebody who not only practice, but when he gets out there, he is rehearsing what he practiced. That's why you get the awkward smile. That's why you get the, you said Fauci down and you tell him this. And it's all rehearsed because that is stuff that goes from debate prep onto the show. You can't do that. It's why SNL has a dress show before they actually have the live show, right? You want to know what you're going to do, but you don't actually go do that. You can improvise, my man. He doesn't have that gene. He doesn't have that quality. Maybe. Again, if seeing the former president in court starts to sway people to him and he ultimately becomes a nominee, maybe for the Republican side of the House. But in the general, I'm telling you right now, there's no way in my mind, 
after seeing everything I've seen uh, kind of unfold here so far early on in the primary season, there's no way that Ron DeSantis will be president of the United States. I give you the final word before we go to the break, Nick, uh, on the GOP debates. Uh, put a little bow on it for us. Yeah, I would say that even this is still the race for the number two spot. If I had to make a prediction from this debate, and there'll be others, obviously, from its current trajectory, by the lay money, a year from now, when we get close to primary season, actually, we're getting close to, yeah, about a year from now when we get towards Iowa, right? Iowa and New Hampshire. I would assume, I would bet that the number two candidate will be Vivek. Interesting. We're, we're going to see. I mean, we're going to see. And listen, we've invited Vivek on the program. Uh, if his people are listening, uh, check your inbox, first and foremost. We've invited him on here. Nick says he's not invited to the Indian cookout. But I'm going to put the cookout together. I'm going to invite both of them on, and we're going to have a conversation. We'd like to have them on the program and some of the other candidates we've invited to. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks as they prepare for the September 27th debate. When we come back after the break, Nick and I will get into the recent shooting that happened at that Dollar General store out in Jacksonville, Florida. More on that when we come back after the break. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. Kitcaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. This episode is presented by our friends, our good friends, over at Fresh Roasted Coffee. The coffee that's keeping me awake when Nick Savary's putting me to sleep with one of his trains of thought. Are you, you give me a look here, Nick. Uh, give me a little bit of how fresh roasted coffee keeps you awake when I'm boring you with some of my trains of thought. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Interesting introduction. Folks, I'm a huge fan, as you all know, of fresh roasted coffee, primarily for the simple fact about diversity. If you're a tea person, they've got you covered. If you're a coffee person, they got you covered too. Mike and I take our coffee very differently. Mike is a Keurig man that is efficient, that is tasty. That's the way to go. I am a French press person. Nowadays, I actually grind my own beans. So when I get my batch of fresh roast coffee, it goes right into the grinder, then to the French press, boiled water, let's go. But in either case, our cup of coffee comes out delicious, mostly because they ask you at the jump, what's just tell us about you simple quiz they'll direct you to the bean or brand that you you should be getting in touch with and that's the way to go and then they just produce an incredible cup of coffee again regardless of how you do it 
No, that's exactly right. You can take the quiz over at freshroastedcoffee.com and in the show notes page right now of this episode, hit the link for a discount or enter in the promo code after you've taken the quiz, after you've selected the coffee you're going to order, enter in the promo code. Can we please get 20 for 20% off your first purchase? I'm telling you, this coffee is delicious. Go to freshroastedcoffee.com today. All right. Another mass shooting that happened uh, in this country. Every time we have come on these programs and talked about some of these issues, it's always with heavy hearts. Uh, So our thoughts and prayers to the people that lost their lives in this shooting, Angela Carr, uh, Anolt Joseph Laguerre, and Gerald Gallian, 52, 19, and 29, respectively. The shooter was a 21-year-old, Ryan Christopher Palmer, um, went in there with two guns uh, at Dollar General Store in Jacksonville, Florida. I want you to take a listen real quick, Nick, before we get a little bit more into this shooting and our reactions to yet another mass shooting that happened in this country. And as we were recording earlier today, UNC uh, North Carolina out in Chapel Hill had a scare with somebody on campus, potentially being an active shooter. Police were able to actually get that suspect into custody uh, with no incident. But just another uh, just another day here in the United States of America uh, with respect to mass school a uh, mass shooting excuse me not school shootings in the latter category but uh take a listen a little bit to what the jacksonville mayor said about not only the incident but also governor ron DeSantis, obviously jacksonville in, in his backyard there went to the vigil service that they had over the weekend for all of these victims drew some of the ire of the crowd take a listen to the reaction you said in the wake of this shooting um that there are days where it feels like the you're going backwards to some degree. The community is going backwards. Maybe the country to some degree is going backwards. Uh, how big of a shock has this been to the community? Well, unfortunately, I would say that it hasn't been much of a shock, Phil. Uh, this is this is something that happens all too often. And uh, we, we have a, a violent gun problem uh, in our community. We have a violent gun problem in our country. We know that. Uh, we also have a problem with racism. And, and I think that every step on the path that, that we take either is a step toward more unity, which is something that I desperately want for my community, or it is a step in the other direction. And I think that, that we all want unity. You mentioned Governor DeSantis' visit. Uh, you were with him at the vigil. I want to play something because it, it was striking uh, the response that he got at, at one point during the vigil. Take a listen. Don't worry about it. We've already been looking uh, to identify funds to be able to help one, make sure there's adequate security, threats, and water college. Mayor, you, you mentioned he's offered assistance. Uh, he was there in person at the vigil. What's the Why do you think that response? transpired while he was there? Well, listen, I, I, as I said, I give him credit. He walked into a crowd that he knew um, was going to be in opposition to many of, of his policies. And, and so I, I'm glad he was there to listen. Um, and I, I, I personally think that, that that's a step in the right direction. Uh, but I think he does need to hear those folks. I mean, it, it is a community that has been injured over and over and over again. And either we are walking in the direction of 
truth when it comes to our systemic racism in, in our city, in our state, and in our country, or we are in denial about that and creating policies that, that don't really help in that regard. And so uh, I think any, as I said, any steps in the right direction start with better communication. So uh, I think he heard from a, from a community that is hurting and, and, and absolutely devastatingly tired. So you heard the booze there. You heard the mayor, Donna Deegan, there. Um, DeSantis, as the booze were happening, was saying that Florida is going to give a million dollars to Edwards Water, Edward Waters University, excuse me, to help strengthen uh, the school security in the wake of the attack. Governor DeSantis says we're not going to allow our HBCUs to be targeted by these people. Um, obviously, he meet, and he went on to describe the killer as a scumbag. Um, Edward Waters University, if you don't know, it's up in Newtown. It's like a predominantly uh, African-American, Hispanic area of Jacksonville. Um, and the sheriff there, suspect went in with a bulletproof vest, like I mentioned before. Two guns. Um, he had texted his father to check his laptop. He had left a manifesto, as usual. And the father, you know, obviously called the police department. And it was too little, too late, unfortunately, in terms of the shooter already being there and doing some of the damage at the Dollar General store. Then he fled over to the parts of campus and eventually taking his own life. Um, in 2017, real quick, just because I know we're going to touch a little bit about not only the shooter, um, but everyone, the first argument that always happens with this is, did this guy get guns legally, illegally? What type of guns did he have? What are the laws in, on the books in Florida? So according to authorities, it looks like that there was no flag that would have come up in this guy's background, even though he had something happen to him in 2017 when he was the subject of a law enforcement call when he was 15 years old. The state has the Baker's Act, which it allows people to be involuntarily detained and subject to an examination for up to 72 hours during a mental health crisis. But either that wasn't properly implemented or it expired. The sheriff couldn't give a clear definition on that. So if there was a Baker Act instituted on this particular individual, they would have come up in a background check and been prohibited from getting the gun. That didn't happen, which means he passed all the background checks legally and purchased this, these guns legally. So he was able to do that. So I know that's always going to be the argument on the other side of this. And I'm with you. More laws make it harder, right? Make the people go thousands of miles to get that gun and then come back, you know, make it harder, right? Deterrence, right? We believe in the Second Amendment. That's fine. But people like this should not be able to have access to guns. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and funny enough, I, I mentioned at the end of the show, too, because the the panelist that I was on with uh, Bill McGinley, uh, former assistant to, to President Trump, is actually doing something around school safety and a commission and working with some of the victims of Parkland uh, school shooting that happened. So uh, more on that in the coming months. But but I, I remember just talking to him about this and it's like, we just got to have some sensibilities about this, like either whether it's getting the AR-15s off of the streets or whether it's just really stricter federal laws that supersede state laws where we can actually have some rigorous checks in place. But it looks like even with those checks in place, unfortunately, this person still got these guns legally. All right, Nick, I said a bunch there. We played a bunch there from the mayor, Donna Deegan. I don't know what more we can add to yet another mass shooting that we notch on our belt here in the United States. It's unfortunate. It's disgusting. I hate it. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, but I'd love for you to 
give me your thoughts on everything that, that happened here and obviously the mayor's comments as well about how the town's feeling and, and, and her reaction. You ever notice that the softest people, the people who write the manifestos, just weak individuals that sit there and put pen to paper or type out their anger and frustrations because they feel incapable of doing something about it. And yet these are the folks, like any other ordinary citizen, that can access these weapons. Think of the following cities, Buffalo, El Paso, Charleston, Pittsburgh, now Jacksonville. So what they all have in common is that mass shootings that were all racially motivated. You'll notice that the folks who like to say, well, let's not make everything about race, go awfully silent these days in these matters. You know, as a country, sometimes we try to look for the smoking gun. Some people do because they don't believe in systemic racism. They don't believe in covert racism. But then something like this happens and then they recognize, well, OK, that was clearly racist. Like you need this to tell you that racism is a problem in this country. People are not born this way. This is something that's nurtured within folks. And as a country, we should always examine what it is environmentally that produces this kind of hatred. Because like in the areas, like in the examples I gave earlier, race plays a role. This is an individual who is so angry for some reason with a particular group of people that he made and he made the effort to get a gun and harm people. And as a country, we should always examine what are we allowing ourselves to create? that produces this kind of hatred. You know, and the funny thing is, Mike, you watch the debate. You know, I read pieces of it. You know, on a debate stage, a lot of talk about a woman's right to choose. A lot of conversations about abortion access because Republicans like to paint themselves as the party of having of part of the right to life movement. But when it comes to the conversation about guns, and the right to life for all of us, you know, the born crickets. Now, you can argue it's the NRA. You can argue that, you know, nowadays guns is a form of masculinity or white supremacy, whatever you want to call it. So Republicans tend to shy away from this conversation. But here's an individual who was able to purchase a bulletproof vest. And if you watch the video of the person coming in and and shooting, this is a person who looks like he's played Call of Duty way too many times. You know, I'm not trying to make a light of it. This is a person who has a serious problem and thought that the solution to it was to engage in violence. You know, we often hear when this happens about the, the mental health conversation. You know, there are there's the argument of, well, let's not talk about the racism. Let's talk about talk about the guns. Let's not talk about anything else. The fact that we have a mental health problem as a country. But oftentimes the people who talk about the fact that we have a mental health problem in this country are the same people who don't want to have that become a matter of funding. There's the same people that most recently being manifested through Moms for Liberty that don't want the discussion of mental health to take place in classrooms. To pull this into an education moment, we've seen recently clips of Moms for Liberty talking about the removal of social emotional learning from school curriculums because it's teaching people how to feel or whatever BS argument they want to make. So this is just another example of people moving the goalpost. You know, to have the conversation about the thing, which of course is guns, is what we don't want to do. But probably the darker, more scarier component here 
is that I can't imagine for a moment that you're a black person in this country. And yet again, now, by the way, when I mentioned these mass shootings, let's also remember the shooting at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. To be a minority in this country, some of which that are violently targeted, you hear about a story in Jacksonville and you're black. The next day you're shopping, you're at church, you're, you know, you're going to school or wherever you are. And the reality sets in that there are people in this country who are so angry by simply who you are that they're willing to pick up a weapon. And I say they because it's not just this shooter. We've seen enough evidence go through social media. You can see the kind of discourse that we're seeing play out these days that there are plenty of people who are just angry at minorities, angry at people who at non-heterosexual people. And in this anger, there's the ability in this country to have access to weapons to do something about it. And yet again, we have a group of people targeted. And the question is, what what are we going to do about this? I've seen Merrick Garland talk about the fact that the purpose of the Justice Department was at a federal level to uh, historically to protect the rights of black citizens post the Civil War. Well, if we're serious about that, then we should be doing something about it. We should be figuring out what informed this shooter. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what are we prepared to do about that? Yeah. You know, I want to give a quick correction as we wrap here. Um, At the University of North Carolina shooting, there is somebody that is dead. The suspect is in custody. I said before that it was without incident. It is not. Video has been posting as we're recording this in real time of a faculty member that was killed in a campus shooting. Um, Obviously, there's no video of that. There's actually video of the kids fleeing the classrooms. Um, So it was pretty chilling. And I know, uh, Nick, on the Educate US podcast, you guys had Professor Alsamudia James on the program. Uh, She's a law professor over at UNC. So um, thoughts and prayers again to UNC, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Jacksonville, Florida, everybody going through that. Gun debate rages on. We're going to do more on not only these stories, but gun violence and mass shootings in the coming weeks and months so stay tuned for more stuff from this show on that if you want to check out video portions of any of the interviews we've done on this show do me a favor head over to our youtube channel type in can we please talk podcast hit the subscribe button we should pop right up hit the subscribe button for me please 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 audio podcast platforms you know by now apple spotify google shout out to everybody that's been listening to us over on good pods and ranking us Shout out to Acast, our hosting platform. We can't do it without them. Can't do it without each and every one of you that listens into this program each and every week. As always, I am Mike Leon. Hoping we can do better. I'm Nick Severi. We'll see everybody next time.